Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, isn't it good to be back? It feels amazing to say that. Welcome back, everybody. The importance of this event annually is absolutely critical. Actually being back in the room with people and looking in people's eyes and talking to people directly makes such a big difference. It's really encouraging to come down and hear the same conversations and the same aspirations. A lot of enthusiasm post-COVID, but what we can see at the moment is there's a lot of enthusiasm for what lies ahead and I think there's a lot to be learned. Brilliant, really, really good. This is a special episode of the podcast with UK Active. At their first conference since the pandemic. Society has changed as a result of the pandemic and we must change with it. Coming up, we'll speak to Baroness Tanny Gray-Thompson as after six years, she prepares to move on from her role as chair of UK Active. But before she goes, she sets some tough targets to get even more people more active more often. We'll also hear from the government on Tanny's call for a shared ambition for growth in the fitness and leisure sector. Now comes the recovery and we'll be putting sport and physical activity at the heart of that too. And hear from some of the people already working on it. It does make me happy. It makes me happy time with my friends and being active and I, 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 I always have fun when I'm playing sport. And if we can help improve the health prospects, they'll not only enjoy a longer, healthier life, but we will save the taxpayer billions of pounds each year. Five million new people to use gyms, pools and leisure centres regularly by 2030. That's one of the new targets from Tanny Gray-Thompson for the 4,000 private and public sector members of UK Active to try and push for. The 11-time Paralympic champion and six-time London Marathon winner also thinks the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in the summer of 2022 should have a greater legacy for activity than that glorious summer in London 
in 2012. I'm Tani Gray-Thompson and I'm chair of UK Active. Tani, for someone that's announced they're leaving the organisation, you've set quite a number of tough goals today for the organisation. Talk us through what you're hoping to achieve. So the pandemic has been unbelievably difficult on everyone and for the sector you know it's it's been a huge challenge the amazing stuff that's come out of that is collaboration uh, and working across public and private sector so um, in my last 10 months as chair of UK Active I'm really really keen that that collaboration continues because there's space for everybody um, in the sector in terms of getting more people active uh, the other thing is is keeping up that dialogue with government. You know, we've we spent a lot of time over the years explaining to government about the size and scale of the sector, the number of jobs, uh, the secondary spends, the you know how many people it helps, and you know data on how many people it keeps out of the NHS and keeping children on the straight and narrow and things like that. And the pandemic's given us an opportunity to actually knock down some of those misconceptions. So you know that's the the, the next part of doing it. And, you know, one of the messages was about we can't be stationary as a sector. We can't just go, we'll go back to pre-COVID. We've got to keep evolving new products, new places uh, to get more people in. Five million people's one of the figures, an ambitious target, a number. How achievable is that? Well, we've, we've crunched a lot of numbers. Or, um, you know, the team at UCactive have crunched a lot of numbers and we, we think it's achievable. There's no point setting a target that we have, you know, no chance of reaching. But when we look at the, the groups of people that we're not getting to, where some of the facilities are, you know, what's on offer, we, we think that is, is absolutely achievable. And I think, again, the pandemic, however difficult it's been... Um, we've seen people who've never been active before because the only time they were allowed out was to do some activity. They've started being active. So we have to harness that in terms of, of making sure people stay active. And is it about going after certain sections of society, whether that's young people, whether that's disabled people? You've obviously identified some groups. You know, it is young people, it's older people, it's disabled people, it's women who don't give themselves enough time to be active, you know, it's families. You know, personally, I think there's, there's a lot that can be done uh, with families being active together, but that might not suit everybody. But, you know, unfortunately, there's not kind of one group that we say, right, we target them, we'll have sorted it. It's actually about everything. And I think, you know, both the public and private sector have something to offer in terms of um, getting people through the door. And we, we know, you know, local councils, the public sector is under huge challenges financially. And, and the private sector is. But, you know, councils are making really tough decisions about what to fund. And some places are, you know, closing their leisure provision. And that, it won't be felt this year or next year, but it'll be felt in five years and ten years' time with health, health and social care. So, you know, we've, we've got to keep banging the drum and being united in that message about how important activity is. And how important is it that this event is taking place today with these people in the room sending these messages to government about how they are part of a solution to a huge problem? It's amazing to have everyone in the room. And I mean, so many people came to see it. When you talk, I spoke to someone who said they'd not been into London for 20 months, but they came just for this. And you go, wow, that's a big step. But it's great to reconnect to people. I mean, online's been really good, actually. But having different conversations with groups that just come together naturally rather than you having to book a time in, in somebody's diary. So, um, 
that's been important. I think it's been important to share the good stuff that's happening to kind of, you know, there's people in the room who are under real pressure and to sort of revitalize them and say, you know, come on, we need to keep fighting. Uh, and hopefully they'll go away and keep reminding everyone about the importance of physical activity. We, we can't say it enough. We have to change how society behaves because if we don't, the consequences and the cost will be more than we can deal with. It has to be partnership, or as you've said in your keynote speech, a shared ambition for growth. What does that mean in practical terms? So the shared ambition is, you know, not just UK Active saying what we want to do, because, you know, we're, it's our membership that, you know, matters. So got to take the membership with us. Absolutely. They're a really important part of it. You've got some big companies, little ones, single owned operated. You know, there's the, the range of people that are members is huge. But it's tying that into government and, you know, kind of speaking with a voice. You know, government can unlock so many things, whether it's, you know, VAT um, or, you know, planning on the high street. It's still easier to open a chicken shop than it is to open a yoga studio on the high street because they're planning regs. And, you know, government, local government can, can all do something differently. You know, it's not just us throwing stones at government and asking for things they can't give us. But actually, it's them understanding what we do, what we can offer and us taking government with us as well as members. And Emma Raducanu, Sarah Storey, Johnny Peacock, these people are important, but they're not the be-all and end-all to the solution. Is that fair? I mean, it's, it's amazing, incredible performances. And, you know, I, I bet the week after Emma Raducanu won, you know, people went out and joined tennis clubs and bought tennis rackets. But we know that drifts off. We've known it with events like Wimbledon. We know it with the Olympics and Paralympics. There's a spike. There always is, but it falls away. And there are things that we can do to stop it falling away. That inspiration is great, but it's got to be more than that because, I mean, I just know after 2012, our local athletics club, you know, the week after Jess Ennis won, hundreds of girls came to want to be the next Jess Ennis. And then you realise actually training is quite boring and it's quite hard. And the northeast of England is quite cold in winter, you know, and you're not competing in the London Stadium. So a couple, a few, you know, will stay because they saw that moment. But we've got to make it fun and interesting and a safe place and, and all those other things. It's having a sensible conversation about what legacy is. Some of it will need investment, you know, but but we can do better than we've done before. And that said, Birmingham next year and your call and your plea to government is to seize that moment. That Commonwealth Games moment in the centre of the United Kingdom is an opportunity. And that moment, you know, people will come and watch sports they've never watched before in their lives because that's what they could get tickets for. Or they'll watch it on TV. And that's great in itself. But it's about thinking about what we do in schools, with schools, you know, PE, physical literacy, what we do uh, as, as, you know, young children grow up. I don't want the, the legacy of quite a big investment in sport. And yes, it's in the city of Birmingham, but, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond that. I don't want it just to be that couple of weeks afterwards. You know, just kind of need to get a few government departments talking to each other um, and actually commit to what happens a month six months a year after the games not just what happens up until the closing ceremony this is called uk active you're the chair of the organization what is the prize if we get this right for the uk the prize is a fitter and healthier nation uh, that's more able to contribute more able to work more able to give back uh, we put the nhs in a better place you know the nhs is on its knees and you know pre-covid 
it wasn't an easy place. And, you know, I'm personally passionate about, you know, um, support being free at the point of delivery. And, you know, we, we are unbelievably privileged in this country to have the NHS, but we can do more than clap on a Thursday night. Actually, what we need to do is all put our money where our mouth is and be active and make sure we keep people out of the NHS not send people to the NHS. As we heard, the Olympic and Paralympic stars of Tokyo 2020 and the likes of Emma Raducanu can inspire some people to get more active. And shortly, we'll hear from Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries on her hopes for the benefits of Birmingham 2022. But as statistics show, the pandemic has cemented the split in society of those that are and those that aren't active. It's clear witnessing the triumphs of Tom Daly or Kadena Cox isn't enough. So many more need a helping hand or a friendly face to take that first step. And reaching out and engaging with a diverse audience in society is also key. I'm Kate Nicholson. I'm Head of Insight and Innovation at Women in Sport. So I've been on a panel um, talking again about how we can get more women and girls um, into leisure centres and to really sort of meet their needs and motivations. I'm Julie Maguire, Head of Brand and Communications at Peergym. It's fantastic to be here today and discussing how we can make it more accessible, more inclusive for women. Such an important topic, particularly after the COVID-19 pandemic. Claire Edwards, I'm Marketing Activation Manager at Sport England and I work specifically on the This Girl Can campaign. It's a certain type of inclusion focusing on women and girls and it's really, really key. I, in, in the um, very short presentation I gave earlier, I showed some of the, the stats around the gender gap. It stubbornly exists and it's something that while was closing slightly has widened again due to the pandemic where we found that men's participation levels bounce back a little bit quicker while women's activity levels have, have stubbornly kind of persisted uh, lower. They'd be much slower to return despite facilities reopening and that's where the This Girl Can campaign I think can really play an important role in inspiring women to be active again. Teenage years are notoriously bad and what we see is that girls drop out of sport and exercise um, in droves at that time. So it's it's a really difficult time because they're going through puberty and uh, bodies are changing and not necessarily just getting stronger but changing shape and girls have to adapt to that. Um, so there's a lot going on. They feel quite scrutinised, um, sometimes feel more visible than they want to be um, and that can be quite difficult because sport and exercise makes them feel a bit vulnerable and can make them one girl told us it made her feel like she was standing on an invisible stage and everybody was looking at her and you know I could relate to that actually making sure that we're showing women of all shapes sizes ages participating in fitness making sure that we're telling their stories, some of the barriers that they've overcome to get to the point where they are today in the hopes that that might inspire other people on their journey just to take that next step. So visibility is really key for us. More practically, we look at empowering and supporting women on their journey. We look at things like helping them to build confidence by planning their visit in advance. On our app, you can see the busier times of day. So you know maybe to come when it's quieter, ease yourself into the gym. We provide a range of free workouts on our app as well as in the gym just to help women know how to use the equipment, build that confidence. And we also create safe spaces throughout the gym so that they aren't overly exposed. We were talking actually at the other end of the spectrum. So for women in midlife, I was referencing some work we've done with women in midlife and, and menopause, um, where again, some of these women haven't played sport for a long or haven't taken part in exercise for a long time. So they're quite unfit. And I think we all know how difficult it is to get back 
into fitness again and again feel very self-conscious they're perhaps you know in their 40s or 50s um, but it's a huge untapped potential because you know we were talking to inactive women of that age and 84% of them actually want to be more active so they really want to be there it's just providing them with the opportunities to do it. This girl can research ultimately finds that big barrier preventing women from being active is the fear of judgment and that can broadly be placed into three themes around ability, appearance and priority. So women are more likely to be worried about um, getting sweaty, looking red faced, uh, ability wise, they're, they're concerned they're not good enough or equally they're concerned they might be too good and are perceived as too competitive. Um, and priorities, they're, they're, they're worried that they are being judged by taking time out of their day to exercise and they should be prioritizing their family or their work. And these three themes are really, really prevalent for women across being active in any context. So we did some specific research recently into women's perceptions of the leisure sector specifically and found that the same themes came up as as in the, the research that we've done about activity levels more broadly. So this is a really common theme for women. And I think that there's a lot that the fitness and leisure sector can learn from what we're gathering to to make real changes on the ground. We heard there about some of the challenges faced, particularly keeping teenage girls involved in sport and staying active. Rochelle Price was one of the guests at the conference and she wants to see more holiday clubs for older students, particularly year 10 and 11. I'm here today to talk to the UK active team to try and get like every um, holiday to get more sessions in because it's something that me and my whole year group we really enjoy. And what are you actually going to be doing while you're here in, involved in some of the sessions? Yeah, I'm going to be on a panel with, I believe it's four other people that have like worked together to make this happen and just try to convince them to make it happen more often, to be honest. Why do you think this is such an important topic for young people? I think it's such an important topic because I think we, from young, it's good to be fit from young so that, so we don't have to have any like health problems in the future. And what kind of things are you doing then in in your life at school, for example? In school, obviously I go to school every day, but I've recently got back into um, doing basketball for after school. So I've joined my basketball team for girls. And what does it make you feel inside when you're out being active, doing sport, playing basketball with your friends? Yeah, it, it does make me happy. It makes me happy time with my friends and being active. And I, 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 I always have fun when I'm playing sport. My name is Mark Fosbrook. I'm a strategic partnerships advisor with Activity Alliance. I'm currently on secondment at the West Midland Combined Authority, leading my piece of work called Include Me. It's been really interesting. It's great to see, obviously, so many people back uh, and, and mingling together in real life. Include Me is um, based in the West Midlands and it's looking at making the West Midlands an exemplar region in engaging disabled people and those with long-term health conditions to be physically active. Um, it was funded through Sport England and has enabled us to focus on a number of key areas that were shaped after consultation with disabled people, disability organisations, professionals, uh, academics, etc., And it meant that we could focus on how organisations need to 
engage better with disabled people and think about the improvements that they need to make and to be better at engaging with them how they need to listen to the thoughts and views of disabled people and as part of that we've developed a citizens network and a citizens panel to bring together the collective views of disabled people from across the region um, and then as well as that we've also started to look at some of those wider determinants that really impact on the lives of disabled people and prevent them from being active so things such as public transport you know actually if people are so worried about how they're going to get somewhere um, whether that's a a real issue or whether it's a perceived barrier um, it's still a problem so looking at how we remove some of those barriers does this sector do enough for people with disabilities in terms of putting on right classes access to getting into fitness centers and gyms for example being a disabled person all my life and having worked in the sector managing fitness clubs you know i've seen you know a lot of instances where i've gone into a gym or i've been working in a facility and there just hasn't been many other disabled people. Yes, there are some good pockets of work where people have done some focused sessions or have you know adapted activity going on. But actually, this is about how do we address some of those real root causes of inequality and start to do more to enable more disabled people to come and just be active with their friends and family. Not everyone wants to be active in a disability-only session. There are those that need that. But equal to that, there are those that just want to come with friends and family. And we need to do more as a sector to make our environment more welcoming. This is a special episode of the podcast with UK Active. There is a real opportunity. It's almost like a golden ticket here opportunity to actually do something which could be transformative for the health of the nation in a way that has never happened before. And you have these big moments, you know, through history. And it's a question of how you then move from them in a positive way. Coming up, we'll speak to UK Active CEO, Hugh Edwards. Now, to create opportunities for everyone to get active, many things have to come together. So I want UK Active and its members to continue to grow this relationship with government. I want to see us create a partnership that sees the government use all the levers at its disposal to support the sector's development and enable more people to be active. Without further ado, welcome the Secretary of State, Nadine Dorries. I'm so glad I actually get to speak to you all early in my new role, particularly as I know it's been an incredibly challenging 18 months for the whole sector. Now comes the recovery, and we'll be putting sport and physical activity at the heart of that too. And I want to use our experiences over the last 18 months as a trigger for a new generation of physical activity and exercise. Improving the nation's health and well-being is vital to reducing the pressure on the NHS. But throughout the whole process, we will constantly be looking for opportunities to work with the sector to level up facilities, infrastructure and the support that we provide. The new Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport, Nadine Dorries, speaking at the UK Active Conference at the Guildhall in the City of London. A healthy, active nation would take immense pressure off the NHS and social care sector. So as TANI moves on, so does the sector, with strong collaboration on moving forward together across all government departments. So I'm Richard Sloggett. I'm the Programme Director of the Future Health Research Centre. We're a public policy 
uh, think tank which is focused on the healthcare sector. Health is always an important issue um, and the NHS in particular. If you look at polling and public attitudes, the importance of the NHS always comes very high. But I think at the start of 2020 with the arrival of coronavirus, we've only seen that awareness and that interest grow. And for government, it became the number one thing and has been indeed for the last 18 months. And I think the question now is, as we look at the recovery, how can we you know, learn from COVID and deliver a healthier nation on the back of it? Professor Greg White, I am a UK Active board member. Uh, I'm also the chair of the Scientific Advisory Board for UK Active as well. Having recognised the importance of health, what we now have to do is make sure that we take a very proactive approach through action to make a difference across society. I think we have to be very careful. What we've seen is we've seen a social inequality increasing across the pandemic. Those that, that have, have more. Those that have not, have less. Uh, and that's a real issue. But what we've also seen within that is actually a disproportionate impact on certain areas of our population. People like women, for example, have been disproportionately affected, particularly when it comes to things like mental and emotional health. So I think what we've got to do is we've got to learn from what has happened. We have got to talk about what the solutions are to that. And then most crucially is we have to put those into action that makes a real world difference that will enhance the health of this population. Joe Armstrong, Sport and Active Lifestyles Manager for Brimham's Active up in North Yorkshire. Brimham's Active is actually a new company we only launched in August. Uh, we're a local authority control company. We run the traditional leisure centres, but we also run our community centres um, across Harrogate District. And what we've done is reach out to our health, health and social care partners to find out what's going on in their in their sector, where the blockages are, and where we can support them and help them. So we've found that. Uh, there's, there's, there's two things. There's the rehabilitation side and exercise on referral, which we run a whole raft of things from uh, cardiac rehab, uh, frailties, false prevention, um, osteoarthritis, stroke, Parkinson's, a whole range of activities. But it's also the GP super users that are have habitual appointments, not really for a medical need. It's more um, loneliness or social isolation. So if someone presents to the GPs and they don't really know what to do with them, they can connect to well-being. The referral will come through to us and we can find out what the best activity is for them. That might be a referral to another organisation or, or it will be within our own portfolio. It might be lunch club, social club, mental health activity, um, exercise, a targeted exercise, or it could be just going for a swim. But we'll have a chat with them and find out what they need. And largely, it's it's social interaction. If you look at the data, I think something like 20% of our health is determined by the health system. 80% is determined elsewhere. And that includes, you know, our, how we live our lives and who we work with and for. And I think we need a joined up strategic approach now to actually deliver a sort of improvement, deliver the improvements in public health that we need. And that does include an important role for employers and businesses. We talked about this rate, uh, the issue of health rising up the government agenda and rising up the public agenda. It's definitely also risen up the employer's agenda, with employees being scattered or in certain industries being scattered around, with employers, employees catching coronavirus, having potentially long COVID. How businesses navigate and manage this has become really, really important. And if you think, you know, take one example, mental health, you know, through the lockdowns, it's been very, very difficult for people to socialize and interact. And I think mental health needs have gone up. I think there was a study which said that mental health of the country has got 8% worse. Doesn't sound like a lot, but actually, if you look at that across a 60 million population, that is pretty substantial. So I think for employers looking at their sort of future business strategies, recruitment, retention of staff, 
health is suddenly right up there as an important issue. The bottom line is that, that inactivity is an epidemic stroke pandemic, which we have to cope with. And it surpasses, fundamentally surpasses COVID-19. And I, I don't say that glibly because of the, the, the real negative impact that COVID-19 has had. But physical activity is so important to health that none of us can take this lightly. And I think what we should all do is look at how best we can support this, this campaign to get people more active more often. The more we can do as individuals, the greater society will benefit. And one of the ways the sector could bring in more people and reach the new targets is an increased use of digital technology. My name's Alison Savage. I'm a strategic lead for data, digital and innovation at Sport England. Now we can sort of see kind of where we are and it's a really strong baseline that talks about kind of the role of having a digital strategy uh, in terms of, you know, a plan and a roadmap in terms of how you're going to apply digital. Uh, things like inclusion and accessibility and the importance of those if we want to hit kind of Tani this morning talked about kind of a growth target of sort of 5 million more people by 2030. Uh, definitely things like accessibility, inclusion, you know, the experience that we're giving people uh, when they turn up to leisure centres and swimming pools uh, is critical. So yeah, the report talks a lot about where we are uh, at the moment and where we can get to. So it does benchmark us against other industries, uh, which is brilliant. My name is Ian Milan. I am the founder and chief executive of a company called Keep Me. KeepMe is an AI-powered sales and marketing platform that's utilized in the fitness industry in about 14 countries now. AI is what we utilize to get to the business outcomes. Um, and increasingly, AI will be a large part of how we do get to these business outcomes. But I think it is no more than what the internet was to us back in the, you know, the late 90s. It's a tool to improve things. And AI currently is just that in vogue one, which is being utilized to that degree. But I think for our industry, particularly when it comes to delivering the levels of personalized service that the industry hopes to be able to do, AI is certainly going to play a big part in that. There are a lot of people already out there doing some amazing things and coming up with uh, very different solutions. Uh, over the pandemic, I guess we did support uh, a cohort. We did an innovation open call. Uh, and we got over 800 responses to that. We did not expect that at all. Um, but within there, there's things like kind of uh, mobile apps that support people with a disability uh, to actually, you know, just be aware of what they're entering in terms of a leisure center, but it also notifies the front desk that someone's coming and gives them sort of advice on how they might best support that person through their journey at the leisure center. As an industry, we really have to embrace digital because as consumers, we have high expectations these days, whether it be what we watch on Netflix, what we buy Amazon, what we listen to on Spotify, we expect a curated, personalized view of the world. And that needs to extend into what we get in our fitness operators, meaning that we're no longer that interested in just big gyms with lots of equipment and that's it, right? We want to have the capacity to track our progress and to have our providers understand how they can help us on our journey. And using digital apps to incentivize people. The idea behind a new government initiative set to be tested early next year. Sir Keith Mills is working on it. He was behind the Air Miles and Nectar Card reward schemes. So the question from government was, could we deploy an incentive program that would reward members of the public for changing their behavior in terms of exercise and diet? In simple terms, this is a digital program. The public will be invited to join this free program by downloading an app. And the app will track a broad range uh, of both physical activities and food consumption 
enabling the public to collect a currency that can then be redeemed for a range of rewards. I'm really very excited by the prospects for this program. We know these types of programs are very effective in reaching the hard to reach parts of the population. And if we can help improve the health prospects uh, of millions of people, they'll not only enjoy a longer, healthier life, but we will save the taxpayer billions of pounds each year. I think Tani's objective of 5 million uh, extra people using your services between now and 2030 is a fantastic objective. It's motivating those people that's the most important thing. And perhaps uh, this new health incentive programme uh, might be just what's necessary. So the targets have been set. Here's CEO of UK Active, Hugh Edwards. The energy in the room is the phrase of the day. And the ability of this of this sector to come together again in person, to share ideas, to share their stories of the last 18 months, to share their ambitions for the future. Uh, and to create a diversity of thought on some of those big ticket items, it's incredibly important. How do we progress the sector? How do we make our facilities and um, the role we play, the services, the products, as inclusive as they possibly can be, so more people can use them? I'm just conscious that the spectrum of the last 18 months is that as an industry, the heart and soul gets ripped out of it with COVID. Everything has mm. to shut. Everything has to close. Things have to stop. But you're so part of the solution to try and then get yourselves back up to speed because we talk about protecting the NHS. We talk about the health and well-being of the nation. You're front and centre of that and you have to go and be ready to go again. It's a very good question. And I think, you know, the last 18 months for many of the, the, the organisations which are represented in at the conference today, they've had existential moments. It has been about survival and recovery. Uh, and that survival has had some challenging moments over the last 18 months. Recovery is at different paces for different parts of the sector. Some of it's really buoyant, but you're right. One of the fundamental things and has been the, the untapping of you know, government and its agencies and the chief medical officer talking about the importance of exercise, not only for your physical well-being, but your mental well-being and your social connectivity as well. Now, a lot of the answers to the problems the government face in terms of issues, big ticket items like levelling up or building back better or prevention being better than cure or in the facilities of the thousands of members that we represent. There is a real opportunity. It's almost like a golden ticket here opportunity to, uh, to, actually, to actually do something which could be transformative for the health of the nation in a way that has never happened before. And you have these big moments, you know, through history. And it's a question of how you then move from them in a positive way. And that's, I guess, the challenge, if you like, today the talk, the networking, the sessions, the Q&As are great, but the action that has to come next is so important. Correct. And that's where an organisation like UK Active is crucial. You know, as a membership organisation representing fitness, leisure, wider physical activity, the inspiration, the high prose of, of, of speeches today like Tani's, you know, when she talked around the shared ambition for growth are much more than just the paper that that they're written on. They have to be then seen in action. We need to be able to work with a level of intensity, with a level of humility, with a level of, of real honesty with government and its agencies on how we can get change together. And it's not about us actually being on different sides of the table. It's about being the same side. We've got the same agenda, the same ambition. Um, and so we've had some bold ambitions set out today and it's a question of now rolling up the sleeves and getting them done. We heard from Keith Mills earlier, instrumental in London 2012, 
But we have Birmingham 2022. Is there an opportunity for Birmingham to maybe learn some lessons from London and take an elite event, but actually bring it down to the people that we are speaking to and meeting today? Absolutely. And I think very proud of my association with London 2012 and obviously had a slightly smaller role and profile than Sir Keith did, which, you know, was, had an incredible leadership with Seb and the wider team. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what you've got from, you know, if you look dispassionately at at 2012 is a fantastic legacy around regeneration. I'm very proud of being associated with something which transformed a part of East London with, with that level of urban decay and, and regeneration requirements is something which could be a, a, a brand new town effectively within that space. The urban regeneration legacy, very strong. Some of the work and jobs and employment which was generated from that incredibly strong. The national pride associated with hosting what remains a really defining moment for our nation, you know, in that in that period of the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Um, but you have to be honest around the legacy associated with activity. Now, you can generate a legacy um, around activity, especially from having a burning platform moment like Birmingham 2022, if, especially around activity, if you look at the drivers, the real population change drivers, which is what Tani talked about today, and if you back those in a way that hasn't been done before, you can create a legacy around activity which London 2012 perhaps didn't achieve. And Nadine Doris is here. She can't ignore the messages that are coming out of today. Well, absolutely. And and I you know, and I think it's it's fantastic that she's, you know, very early into her tenure as the Secretary of State that she's here and, and, and talking to the broad spectrum of the sector. And she said very early on in her speech that she shares that ambition that Tanny set out today. That's a great starting point, right? We know it's not going to happen tomorrow. But let's try and move the agenda around how we make this fantastic sector, which we all enjoy associating with, play its fullest role in society. And if we're able to do that, then we've made the difference. And that's what we can do to millions of people's lives across the country. Quick word about Tani. She's stepping down. Yeah. What would you say about her? Firstly, it's an incredible honour to, to, to work with Tani over the last sort of four or five years. She's given me incredible support, as she did to, to Steve Ward you know, who, who I followed in the role of CEO. And she is without doubt the best champion this sector could have had, possibly had over the last five or six years. And the sector owes her a great deal in terms of her leadership. Um, she will still be a, an incredible ambassador once she, she moves away at the end of, around the time of the Commonwealth Games. She, there is a steely determination in her eyes to get things done and, get, and achieve her ambitions she articulated in her speech today. But um, it's a great honor a huge honour um, to work with her and to um, to work with her and look really look forward to the next 10 months working with her still. Tani Gray-Thompson, she's one of the amazing trailblazers, isn't she? What she's done for, for women's sport has been immense and I think having an advocate like that is, is superb and where we've got to, if you just look back even over the last 10 years, I think there's been such a big shift and I know Tani has been sort of pushing all of the way there, so um, it's been fantastic. Tani Gray-Thompson is a tour de force. Her background, both as an elite athlete and as a politician, is really unparalleled. Uh, and I think because of that, she's brought such a wealth of, of support uh, for UK Active and has made things happen which otherwise probably would never have happened despite people understanding that it should happen. We should never put this too light. Her contribution to the health of the nation 
uh, is an absolute testament to the incredible hard work that she has put in. I'm sure we all echo those remarks about Tanny Gray-Thompson. And just to be clear, she's told us she's not retiring. Just time for somebody else to take the reins. But as we've heard, she wants you and all UK Active members to drive the change. To be the engine room for the country, to get another 5 million people moving. And that shared ambition with government to grow the levels of activity will help improve overall health and well-being. From this special episode of the podcast with UK Active at their conference in the Guildhall in London, it's good to be back. But now it's time to get moving. Moving on, moving up and importantly, moving together. I think it's the right time to hand over the baton to someone else. Physical activity will always be a massive part of my life, but it's it's time to, to do something differently for UK Active. Everyone in the room, and that's why I love doing this, is they care about people being active. And yes, it's businesses and it's other stuff, but it's more than that because each of them will tell a story of someone whose life has changed because of being active. There's a lot to take in. Come with a group of colleagues so you can spread out and conquer. I'm still totally committed to the fact that we as an industry have got a large part to play and it's great to see it's happening. It's been great. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.